Originals. That's Bob the Green Machine. find you today sir it finds me in la thankfully yeah man you know i'm very very excited to be here finally again and uh which gorilla's tracks can listeners find you on mr pevin strobe light <laughs> and halfway house great tracks so describe to me how you came to be where you are now today oh hmm. i wish there was a huge elaborate story that went along with it but there isn't it's actually pretty uh well i i'd say it's it's short but strange <laughs> i'll call it that i'd spoken with uh, with tone on a performance show right. and he says i'm gonna have somebody call you or i'm gonna reach out for you and lo and behold what reached out was a big gorilla's hand You know, throughout my youth, I was a skateboarder, avid skateboarder. The word. So alternative rock and music and was very important. Hip hop, all of that stuff was very important to, to have a good taste palette with respects to rock and hip hop. Right. So uh, I, I had a mixtape of alternative records, you know, which a few of them were records that Damon had written. And they'd become basically the soundtrack to my youth before I'd, I'd actually started my jazz pantheos. <laughs> you know, so when I played these records, they really made me feel alive. And I never really knew exactly who'd written them. And lo and behold, I started to get more acclimated to Google. And I've started to see that woohoo and all these brilliant records that I had no idea who had written them, but I really loved them. Gotcha. Were written by the same guy. They're the same four or five records by the same guy. That's how I knew my ear was saying this particular writer, this particular sound is one that you're excited by. So, you know, it, I had no idea who, but it was Damon the whole time. You know, so I was excited to find out that now I'm listening to somebody that I really, really listened to. Oh, I 
it's a full circle now. And I feel really, really, really blessed to be here speaking with the likes of you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, brother. So where'd you meet us? At the studio. I came into the studio and it was open arms. Nice. In which country? Where were we? Chicago. Right. Uh-huh. Chicago, my hometown, and that's where Twilight Tone's from as well. All right. Yeah, so Twilight Tone is a DJ. Yeah. Producer uh, who we had a, you know, very kind of distant relationship. We knew of each other. Yeah. But we never had the opportunity to work with each other. And when we did, it was that particular time that I was telling you about. And, you know, not even a month later, you know, this gorillas thing came in. And it's been a whirlwind ever since. Whoa, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So tell me about Strobe Light, how it came about, what you like about it, how you did it. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, well, Damon said, uh, here's a track. Uh, here's a, check it out. He and Tone were playing it for me. And they were both, you know, bopping to it. And I immediately heard something musically to it. I guess it would be like the the part where it goes, in your mother's vein and your father, father won't. That part came in, into my head. And Damon already has what he has. You know, so when the two of us got together, it was very nice to find out. That he and I, we kind of function very similarly, and we come prepared in the same kinds of ways. Got you. So, for the first time ever in producing a song, I was able to produce a, a song from front to back in a matter of, I'd say, three or four hours with this man. Wow. Which is very rare, and it was easy. It was fluid and it was heartfelt. Yeah. More importantly, you know, I got you. from both sides. And since it was, I think right that's on. what made it so very easy. That's a connection that is the number one connection I've ever had in a studio with Strong. anybody. Anybody. Right on. Period. And I know it. I knew it when it happened. You know. Hit me. As things progressed in the song, it seemed to come to shape like in that three or four hour period. And Steve was in there mixing it down, and you know, everybody's working, and Damon's pulling out keyboards. He's like, No, try this sound. And I, I, I sat down at the world turn and I played some chords down. He's like, Yeah, but throw that in. Make sure, you know, yes, put that in. And Tone was like, Yes, a little bit more of that. This part right here. You know, yeah. And we're all speaking as though. Nobody else is in the room uh-huh. But None of us Are actually Stepping on each other's words It was amazing Yeah Amazing It was amazing You know Usually somebody Steps on someone You know mm-hmm. when, when three people are speaking uh, yeah. You know That's a problem usually But We don't have no problem He finished My statement And, and Tone would finish his And it, it was right. Jumping around like that I finished yours And nobody Got in anybody's way You finished mine 
So, you know, to me, that was a match made in heaven. That was one of the most professional and, you know, artistically sound moments of my of my life, I have to admit. Man, that's amazing. But what's a Wurlitzer? A Wurlitzer. It's like a, a Fender Rhodes, like I call it the... I guess it's the the brother-in-law to defend the roads. I, I call it because you know usually when you have a brother-in-law, it's usually either really good or kind of a little tense, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so you know that that Wurlitzer is pitchy, pitchy, and it's a little finicky, more so than a Fender Road. So I call that the brother-in-law. You know, <laughs> hey, it's what it is. But yeah. the the Rhodes itself is is my keyboard of keyboards that I usually play with while I'm in my own studio, et cetera. And they had one of those yeah. there, but having that Wurlitzer, you know, gave it a particular angle, and it was it was just right for the record, you know. And so right, all of those instruments that he has in there, they, they it makes sense, you know. And, and I I like to play with a, a producer who has variety in mind, you know. I got you. It was just great, man. You know, really was. So, man, when you say both came prepared in the same way, yeah, what do you mean by that? Uh, you mean mentally, spiritually, physically, emotionally? There's often a time, you know, a, a time and space in the studio where, you know, there may be a, a writer's block moment. I got you. And uh, everybody has their way of getting past it. <clears throat> he and I seem to, you know. Well past that space where we, that writer's block thing is happening, and it was refreshing. So it's it's sort of like um getting across a, a point in the in the water or, or or a river you're crossing, and seeing a bunch of dead bodies oh. on stones because nobody's made it. That's so sad. You understand? Nobody's made it further than this point. And when I finally got to the other side of the river, there's Damon there. Hey, all right, you're all right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's how it felt for me. Like, oh, my God, there is civilization on the other side of the other river. Yeah. Once you're done figuring things out and it's time to actually explore. Let's explore. There's somebody to explore with. That was fantastic. Yeah. So the album we made is called Humans. But one of the themes is non-human entities. I want to ask you about your views on aliens as opposed to humans. How are they different? And are they already amongst us? I really do believe that they're already amongst us. I really do. That's incredible. And I say that for the simple fact that uh, there are unexplained, thoroughly unexplained mm -hmm. phenomena that are still being found via fossil and, you know, via excavations of, of different parts of the planet. And I don't even think we've scratched the surface yeah. as to how deeply that goes. So my perspective of it is that, you know, just like we discovered the, mo the molecule and found out that the quark atomic. actually exists within the molecule, the same style of existence is going to happen with respect to what we see as the physical being. What we acknowledge as a physical being and what we acknowledge as a phenomenon of a physical being. These are the two things that I think make up the, the mere presence that aliens were here. 
Yeah. They were. So I think, you know, guys like like Shaquille O'Neal or uh, Michael Jordan or uh, Manly P. Hall. Can you explain who Manly P. Hall was? Manly P. Hall is, is a is a wonderful writer and he was a very giving person. He was a well-off man, very rich from the very beginning. Silver Spoon kind of guy. But he chose to not use, uh, not go to school in the way that people usually go to school. He went to school to kind of figure out if he should actually be going to college and should be doing these worldly things that people call education, uh, learning. Okay. He later figured out that he wasn't supposed to, and there was actually a higher existence that locked an equation that locked the entire thing uh, and made it understandable for everybody if they would just take the knowledge in. Gotcha. And, you know, his philosophies, for me, really painted out what it was to understand, like you were saying, the relationship of the human spirit to alien forms. Now, alien being spiritual as well, because I think those two are one and the same. In that the spirit and alien world the Nephilim, I would say, that they, they would call them. This mixture of human and angel that people often uh, forget about as a part of biblical text okay. is also a part of scientific text. Getting deep. And that coupling and the presence that we have in science and spirituality with the same fact makes it to me very clear what's happening and that we need to kind of look further into our excavation and our earth itself we have a lot of untold stories stories to be told as we've seen you know they've got wheels and instruments and tools that people don't know what they were actually for Mm -hmm. X-Files and these kinds of puzzles are not, are not for, not to be left as puzzles. They're to be, you know, put together and figure out what's going on. Got the code. You know? You know, well, what's that about? What is that about? No, no. I, 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 I'm not following that one. I'm not following that train. What I'm going to do is I'm going to use the facts and pay attention to what I see. And know how to look at what I see mm-hmm. and know to look at what I see with great scrutiny that's the most important thing because then you can kind of humble yourself to the idea of how big <laughs> the pool of intellect really is it's, it's huge infinite alright I hear you so do you think the alien or sentient being knows it's an alien do you think they're that aware? No, I think now that it, it's it's now becoming, you know, it's changed over thousands of years. I, I, I believe that. I really do. I believe that, you know, the pyramids are, are very important where they're placed. All of these things are relative to why, you know, the pyramids are actually here anyway. 
Would you say their existence is evidence of alien activity? There, there are things that are happening inside the pyramid mm-hmm. that have nothing to do with a human being in, the, in right. that pyramid. Right. Nothing. Yeah. A human couldn't be in that pyramid if it was functioning hey. for what it was actually built hey. to do. Which is bring about a particular energy from the ground up due to a certain style of rock that they had. Then. I forget what the rock is called, but it was this blue rock that's that they found underneath the pyramids. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it's a rock that channels a great deal of energy, radioactive energy. Rock of ages. Just energy altogether from the, the cosmos, etc. And through the top of that pyramid is where it's, it, there seems to be a chamber that goes straight to the bottom in a zigzag kind of way, all the way to the bottom of the chamber where the pool of rocks actually lay. And that heat that, that those rocks made actually went through the zigzag back to the top and shot through the center of the, the pyramid straight to the heavens. You understand? So this is happening in not just one pyramid, but in another pyramid, you know, millions of, I should say thousands of miles away. So, you know, that phenomenon, we have to study the pyramids. Why are there pyramids everywhere? Not just in Egypt. There are many things like that, you know. Triangulate. They probably need to be looked at, you know? Yeah, man, I hear you. That power you're talking about. Can it be brought into the studio? Can it be used for in music? Oh, I think it could be quite powerful. Quite powerful. I mean, where do I freaking start? <laughs> when it comes to, like, making music, you know, um, there are points where you are on par and in sync, you know, with a producer. And the, the mood or something happens outside of the studio or if a phone rings and somebody might interrupt or something gotcha. and, and it makes the energy detour a little bit it doesn't ruin it but no. it refocuses it into a different direction into a prison now having already been in a, a particular space mm-hmm. making your music mm-hmm. you know you st- start to build uh, a relationship yeah. With feelings okay. While you're Just being silent Magnetic field Different things Come across your spirit Magnetic field I Just hear. In silence yeah. And You know I found that Nostalgia I'm saying this particularly Nostalgia is something That I feel Isn't always Based on The typical way People use the word Nostalgia okay. I think nostalgia is actually a feeling that's present and palpable Mm -hmm. in the studio, which is why I felt so comfortable with tone. We had nostalgia, but we had no connection prior. Damon and I had nostalgia, but we had no connection prior. Synchronicity. But it was definitely there. And it made me feel comfortable and made me feel sure that I could do the task at hand okay. with no problem. Yeah, yeah. You know, it gives you a certain level of confidence that lets you know that more than just your level of confidence is creating this confidence. That's the power of that telepathic space. 
you know it, it really is something that happens it's it's actually before the thought happens and it's a forecast as well so it's where are you in the actual pool that is telepathy are you in looking forward or you know in the past back to the future or you, you get me I got you so you think seriously what are you saying <laughs> So you seriously believe for that to happen where you must have met before in the past. Some energy of yourself. What was that? If you can't recall it. So did it really happen? Yeah, it happened because it's confirming itself now in a space of newness for me. So those two don't make scientific sense to me. You know what I mean? So until you can scientifically explain that one to me. Yeah, I'm going to have to say there's a spiritual place in that. Right. A place of, you know, cosmos that really exists, that we all speak in. Fourth dimension. And we have to become a little bit better at being well-versed in it. You think it's something we can harness? Yeah, without question. That's that's uh, the byproduct of music after it's been played. That buzz you feel in your body. Gotcha. It's a byproduct. Of telepathy. Proper telepathy. Right. Because it sends waves out, you know, either positive or negative. That's incredible. Depending on the people generating them. The white coats are waiting outside the door. It's telepathy itself, the pool of telepathy. Don't fight them. You know? And that's why you put microphones in front of it so you can affect large groups of people. And then you can sing into them. Yeah, man. It does affect them. Screaming teenagers with the Beatles are screaming teenagers with gorillas. It's the same thing. I, I. Everybody's getting affected. Your nurse is going to be here in five minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Have this man committed. Thanks for listening to Gorilla's podcast with Deezer. Now get out. Originals.